0: The speed once again and he's Oh my goodness, that is huge! It's a white flag for
1: the Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everybody and warm, warm welcome to the Triple Jumpers podcast with me, Marcus Lombari. Today I meet the Jewish triple jumper Chris Bernard. Chris has a personal best of 17.48 meters, he competed at the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio and he finished 6th at the 2017 World Championships. He also has 7 medals from the US Championships in the Triple Jump and 2 in the Long Jump. In this episode we cover Chris' career from Santiago High School through Arizona State College to where he is now. We talk about how competitive the triple jump is in the US, how it felt to make his first team for a major championship and how it is to train at the Olympic training center in Chula Vista. We also talk about his training routines, how it was to combine triple jump and long jump and a lot more. This is a super interesting episode with a lot of great content so prepare yourself for the fourth episode of the Triple Jumpers Podcast with Chris Bernard. Warm welcome to the Triple Jumpers Podcast Chris Bernard
0: What's up guys, how you guys doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. Happy to wake up in the morning.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um what are you up to now? Are you training towards indoors or are you going to skip the indoors and do the outdoor season?
0: Yeah, pretty sure we're skipping indoors. Uh, if anything, might try to maybe do USA championships depending on how training is going and how it might fit into the schedule. But uh, definitely our group isn't too pressed on uh, on competing at indoors this year with there not being any major championship.
1: Yeah. Um. So let's Take it off from the beginning. Uh, you were born in 1990 in uh, California. How was it to grow up there?
0: It's a. It's nice out here. It's it's a. It's pretty desensitizing to be honest. We always have a lot of good weather. There's a big assortment of different types of cultures and people. Um, it's not. Yeah. It's it's a lot of different races. Um, it's a lot of uh, a. Yeah, have a lot of influence. I I, I think it it made me into a more aware person i'd probably have to say growing up in california right? i'd like to think at least
1: and when did sports came into your life
0: uh, i played sports since i was uh, probably five years old i started out playing uh, just like t-ball and then i played soccer or uh, or football uh, or american college soccer i know everybody else calls it football and okay. then uh and then i actually played american football for the rest of the time until getting into track my junior year of high school and then it's been track ever since yeah
1: so you you started uh track and field in in high school in Santiago high school
0: that's right yeah Santiago go sharks
1: yeah yeah (laughs) um so tell us about your thoughts after your first track and field training or track and field meet or or in the beginning of your track and field career
0: uh i i thought i was pretty good i mean i hadn't i hadn't really done anything track related since like elementary school just like uh amongst other uh like adolescent kids so when i got to my junior year and i was uh, i was mostly doing long jump i i thought i was pretty competitive amongst the people that i n- knew to be decent at the school so i figured i could uh at least be competitive in it which was enough to get the to keep the fire going in me as I kept getting more competitive, the fire basically grew bigger.
1: So so you started doing a long jump. Um, when did you start focusing more on, on the triple jump?
0: My senior year I started, because uh, I, I triple jumped uh, here and there in my junior year, but uh, it's such a tough event, especially for any, for, a, for a beginner. It's, uh, it's hard to even develop a passion for something that you struggle so much with at first, but uh, that first year, uh was bad but i ended up progressing a lot uh going into my senior year with some help from one of my one of my close friends and um with that like i was progressing almost a foot every track meet um so it was really easy to just be like okay maybe i should uh stick to this
1: and um after high school you moved to riverside city college that's
0: right yep go tigers
1: And um, there, you you won the state titles in both the triple jump and the long jump in 2010. Um, yep. Tell us about how the training developed uh, at Riverside.
0: Well, I kind of, I, I grew up a little bit uh, at Riverside. My between my senior year in high school and my freshman year. At Riverside, there wasn't much of a development for me. I went from uh, jumping 49 feet 6. I don't, I'm not sure what that is in meters, but uh, to jump my, to jump in 50 foot 5 the next year, and my, my grades weren't really getting any better. I wasn't really seeing much progress in the event, other than how my body was naturally growing. And then uh, my sophomore year, I, I tried to buckle down a little bit more and like make sure I paid attention in class, and I was I took a weightlifting class. And um, I was lifting uh, twice a day, whenever I had the lifting class, and I I really like dialed in at my practice to try to figure out what like what can make me better and, and make sure I was uh, listening to my coach and and trying to get the adaptations that he was trying to give me, and um, it, it ended up working out to to me winning in long and triple jump, which was huge because I mean I, I definitely by that time I thought of myself as a triple jumper first and a long jumper second so to come out of there with the long jump title as well definitely was was ridiculous for me like that was a that was a really big moment for uh, for my track career being able to win those two events at, at, at state and junior college.
1: After Riverside you went to Arizona University? Yes sir Sun
0: Devils that's it yeah, that was a fun time.
1: Yeah and in
0: 2012
1: you started to show really great results there. Uh, you improved uh, by one meter uh, in the triple jump to 16.74. I don't know; it's probably 55 feet or something. Yeah, just
0: uh, <clears> that. And minutes, I think.
1: yeah, and 30 centimeters uh, in the long jump to 7.75. Looking back at 2012 what do you think was the main reason to your improvements in that year?
0: Uh, I I got healthy I would say it's a it's a definitely a big big transition going from uh, going into a a division one program from from anything less than a division one program Um, in junior college there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of people that are there just to take a class and it's a lot of distractions so it's it's definitely not as focused as a Division One university that's getting a lot of funding to maintain a good program. And once I, once I got kind of cast into that my first year, it was very fast, and I ended up getting hurt. Uh, I, I had a lot of hip injuries, a lot of back injuries, and it was just because I don't think I had enough time to properly set my body up to be able to handle that load of a, of a, of a higher training program. But then uh, my senior year, which was my my second year in the program, I got to get a a full base training, and um, I really got to take in what I learned in junior college on top of what my what my uh, what my coach at Arizona State was teaching me. And once I kind of was able to put those things together in, in a healthy body, I was able to see some really good results.
1: You you finished second at the uh, NCAA indoors in 2012 in uh, in the triple jump how did it feel to be standing on the podium in, in such a big competition
0: it it was bittersweet I a lot of competitions I'll I'll, I'll end up with a, a good result uh, but internally I'll know that i I left a lot out there like i I tend to scratch most of my big jumps and I've been doing that since junior college so in most of my competitions in life I'll have it's very rare that I'll leave feeling just full fulfillment. And I and I definitely remember in that situation knowing if not 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 that I should have won it or anything like that, but mainly that I should have executed on the opportunities where I jumped further. So something as small as a toe scratch wasn't the difference maker between me having a sixteen uh, I think it was like a 1650 jump, and me having a 1680 jump. And just yeah, knowing that, yeah. uh, knowing that to be a fact, definitely takes away a little bit from the moment of trying to enjoy the fact that I did place runner up. But uh, at the same time, it was my best finish in a in in a in, in a championship setting. So I didn't take it for granted at all either. So it was it's definitely a, a great feeling, but with like a little hint uh, of salt. And
1: at the outdoors uh, NCAA, you only finished uh, seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about tell us about that.
0: Yeah, that was tough because uh, definitely I, I knew I should have jumped better. I, I I would at least would like to have jumped around my PR, but uh, just kind of being a, a young inexperienced jumper wanting to jump all the time, uh, I thought my body would be invincible. I thought it was a unstoppable object, but fatigue definitely sets in by the end of the year and you uh depending on your level of aware, level of awareness you won't even realize that how body you're tired how tired your body is so i mean i came into it thinking that i could go out there and, and jump out of the pit but my body was uh, was telling me a little bit something different so um mm-hmm. i think um with better like mental preparation and and uh and i and just trying to Maybe do a couple less meets throughout the year. I might have finished better, but in the moment i I was doing everything that I could to to try to make the make that championship the best that I could but uh it didn't work out so well for me so i had to I had to take it for what it was and and move on from it and and just hope to get better from there and the moment was all I could take away there wasn't too many many positive uh positive takeaways rather than I was healthy so I mean, I try not to dwell too much on the negatives and, and just take it for what it, for what they are, but um, definitely that competition, I, I walked I walked away with my head down.
1: After that, your professional career took off, and uh, that's when it really gets difficult for many people. Mm-hmm. But for you, how was it to go from a college athlete to become a pro athlete?
0: Um, I I think. I think I had a, a seamless transition in it, and I think it was mainly because the the situation I was blessed enough to, to be able to get myself in at the Olympic Training Center here in Chula Vista. Because um, I, with with the marks that I had coming out of college, I definitely wasn't getting any contracts and and even uh, any type of sponsorship at that. And the only way I was going to be able to receive any income would be through a, a part time job or um, or yeah I mean basically just that so uh, luckily with having the Olympic training center they provide like a dorm situation and and food uh, and it's all it's all um, covered by USATF's high performance program and a coach and, and they cover domestic travel so it was basically like leaving a university situation for a post collegiate situation where you're supported like you're in a university so having that uh, made me be able to fully focus on getting better at triple jump rather than having to uh juggle supporting myself uh trying to support a full-time life of paying rent and all that stuff while still trying to support myself as an athlete which i know for most people it's almost like trying to like a lot of people when they transition out of college uh trying to support their passion is like trying to support a child which it's that is it's very backwards because your passion is supposed to be what's supporting you, so a lot of people get torn a lot in in different ways. But the situation that I was in, I was able to focus on my passion and not let anything take away from it, which definitely uh, made it an easier progression of moving forward after college. I think.
1: And what about now? Is it hard to make a living on the triple jump?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I think that every every event in the United States is, is hard to make a living off of, and and I they, it's so competitive that there it's like there's no room for injury or uh, there's no room for downtime for family or or a family emergency. It's uh, everything. If 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 I decide I need to take a week off for anything emotional or anything that I feel like I can control that's not physically harming me, then, um, then I'm taken away from my craft and I know that, that there's 15 other people that are going to put that weekend in, if, if not because they don't have that same problem that I have or they don't care to put that energy into the problem that they have because they're more focused on the event. So there's there's plenty of athletes that have 100% focus and that's who I'm competing against. So that's what makes it tough, but it's what keeps the event competitive and and um it keeps it keeps uh I guess Americans or us competitive at the world level. So I can't I can't sit back and complain that I'm not good enough to compete against the people that um that I have to compete against to be relevant. I just have to continue to try to make myself relevant.
1: And in in 2014 uh, you broke two big barriers, uh, both the seventy-meter mark, setting a personal best of seventeen ten, and the eight-meter mark with a best jump of eight point ten meters. Mm-hmm. Describe the feeling breaking those marks for the first time.
0: That was that was awesome. That was like a, it was an eye-opening. I you know, you, there's always like, there's there's scratching marks and then there's actually putting marks on the board. and actually putting marks on the board definitely solidifies the fact that you're capable of something and in the, in the long jump I had been stuck at the 770 barrier for a long time and I had been working on some things in triple jump that would definitely make me more efficient as an athlete and it happened to transfer over in the long jump too so, but unfortunately I've only jumped eight over 8 meters indoors which uh which I think I could jump further in the long jump if I practice it but Still, just being able to say that I'm an eight-meter long jumper as well, I keep that in my back pocket in case I ever want to try to impress somebody. Yeah. Um, but the 17-meter triple jump definitely was uh, a that, that that felt better than the long jump because that's that's what I see myself as in it. It once I once I jumped 17 meters, um, beyond having beyond knowing that I was that I created some relevance in my own head. Um, even amongst the world, it said, like, oh, you, you can be jumping with uh, some of the best in the world. And and that was validated to me by me getting into the, to a bunch of Diamond Leagues later into that year, which was... I mean, I grew up watching Diamond League meets. I mean, I could only... Out here, you only see them, like, here and there on certain channels, but every time I saw a meet of that magnitude on, on TV, I thought it was really interesting. And that was, like, the only... Other than the Olympics, that was like the only thing that I could look at. So jumping seventeen ten, and then getting into, uh, I think it was the, the the Diamond League in Paris was the first Diamond League I ever went to. It was, it was like it was huge for me. It was it was really cool, like to just be able to say like I got into a Diamond League meet. Like even beyond what I like jumped there or anything like that, just finally being accepted at that level was was huge. And I don't think that would have happened until I jumped 17 meters so it was definitely like a a big notch in my belt to finally be able to do that at that time
1: so you did the diamond league in Paris and you did a lot of other international meets uh, on the European circuit uh, in 2014 Um, how is it to travel the world competing against the best triple jumpers out there
0: I think I think it uh it molded me almost. It. it I, I left when I left to Paris for my first European meet. Uh, I think I was one way, and when I came back after the after the three weeks being out there, I felt almost like like a, a more enlightened person. Like I, I felt like I needed to change my or I could change my ideals to be more comfortable in life because there is so much culture in the world that I didn't even realize until like being forced to live in it, like being forced to have to be off my cell phone because I don't have data in that area or, or knowing wherever I'm walking around, nobody speaks the language that I'm speaking, but I could still like gesture and, and, and get through to somebody that only knows this language because all they know is this culture that they grew up in uh, on the other side of the world for me. Like that was really like mind blowing to me. And it, it definitely made me want to search for, different ways to feel comfortable in life like it uh like i know i went there for track but i felt and to get better in track but i feel like it made me better as a person just being able to to go from country to country uh supported and and to feel safe and to, um, to get a taste for the culture just just through uh, a track and field competition like it i did that a lot in in college but i was just going state to state to do it country to country and see how how much how big of an influence it really has uh, yeah <laughs> i can go on all day about how how great the culture of track and field is in europe so
1: yeah you learn a lot from from the different countries
0: heck yeah a whole lot
1: when traveling in the world competing um, uh, is it hard to stay healthy and sharp while you're traveling so far and across uh, a lot of time zones
0: definitely definitely especially the the first time because for me my my, usually my first time attempting something is my worst attempt like I I I can't really mentally prepare for it like I like to for things so it's like I'm winging it and um so I knowing how much recovery I might need after a a nine-hour travel I didn't have that and um knowing what the time difference will do to my sleep schedule for the first four days, like all that stuff was was hard to adapt to for the first time around, and I had to kind of learn on the go. And even now as, uh, I mean, I've gone to Europe like for four, four years uh, out, of comp, out of competing, and, and there's still things that I'm learning to, uh, to adapt to. Um, but uh, I, I think I've gotten better over time but it's, I I definitely think that's one of the hardest parts of uh of competing in Europe is trying to uh, to uh to make yourself more or most ready in terms of like uh physically preparing and mentally preparing. It's easy to do it when you're at home because all the stimulus you're used to, but you start throwing new stimulus in there and that's when people start to struggle. And how
1: how many days before the competition do you arrive to to say paris or london or wherever you're competing
0: it, it really depends on how my, my agent and i could finesse the situation like it
1: yeah. if we
0: can if there's a like a camp out there where we can get out there a week in advance and then maybe get to the actual meet uh meet hotel three days before then then that's ideal because i could i could uh adapt to being out there i can get some training in and then um i could feel more comfortable for the day of competition but um i mean with how flights can go at times you you never really know like sometimes i know for the paris meet i ended up, my first competition i didn't get there till the day of or the day before and i pretty much imploded at the competition so uh i mean i i prefer to get there at least 3 days out for a uh, for an international competition but um sometimes you kind of just got to do what you got to do
1: uh, yeah yeah And do you always have your coach with you or
0: no not always i like to have him there but i understand that uh he's only human he can't he can only be in so many places (laughs) at once and only one um so uh, depending on like the 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 level of the competition and and what his other athletes have going on um like uh that that'll be how high my expectations would be on my coach being there of course i would want him to be at every competition but uh i think i've done enough mental preparation to be able to compete without him being there and, and i and i wouldn't want him to think that i i could only compete while he's there too because that's a that's a big crutch for an athlete if you could only compete while your coach is there so yeah. i mean in a perfect world he'd, he'd be there for all the competitions but i'm perfectly fine with him only being there when he, when he can
1: yeah if we go back to 2014 then you took your first medals at the u.s. Uh, championship finishing second in both the long jump uh, and triple jump indoors and third in the long jump outdoors no in the triple jump outdoors uh, yeah. how did it feel to be standing on the podium in two of the most competitive events in the u.s.
0: Ooh, that, so indoors that was another bittersweet moment for me because there was a uh, there was a world championship that year and I got second in both events, but I didn't have the standard in either. So the standard in long jump uh, that year was like 8:15, and that and I, I had gone 8:10, and I had also gone 8:08 at the at USA's. But I mean, it's, it's, that wasn't enough. So long jump was out. Uh, so I was happy to make the podium. Of course, I, that's I mean, long jump wasn't even my event, so I, I definitely came in as a surprise. So I didn't expect to make the team in a in long jump so just being second was was huge for me I, I, the, the paycheck was awesome and, and just uh, getting some relevance and long jump was really cool but for a triple jump getting second um that one really hurt because the standard was 17 meters even and at that championship i jumped 16.99 yeah so <laughs> that yeah i i, I like, that was like the one time where i wanted somebody to just be like you're good like it's just one centimeter like like I, we understand this is the standard, but but uh, like it's one centimeter, like it. But that never happened, so it was really like, like I really couldn't believe I could be that close. That would have been my my first team ever being made, made my first senior team. So that one, uh, that one kind of it, it 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 cut me kind of not super deep, but it, it definitely was a the more memorable moment for that for that podium was missing. Making the world team by one centimeter, over getting second. Yeah. But I had to take that for what it is. I mean, it, it really made me feel like I needed to seize opportunities better. Being that close made me feel like I I needed to be able to control my moments better. So um, I definitely learned from the indoors. Uh, outdoors, getting uh, second was 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 huge. Uh, that was really cool. I, I think I had PR at that championship and I was feeling good. I was jumping. Well, I had jumped 17 meters again. Like that was, that was definitely a, just a really good ride. Like I had jumped, uh, 17 meters earlier that year. And so everybody likes to be able to do it again. And, uh, I was able to do it again at the championship. So I couldn't complain. Like that's, it's almost ideal. Like everybody wants to, wants to peak at a championship. So, um, and I, I got something close to that or some semblance of peaking there so, and it, and it uh, allowed me to be able to get into that Paris Diamond League too. I think if I would have placed bad at that championship, I wouldn't have had the the second half of the season that I had after, uh, after that second place finish, I got into it. I already had my European schedule set up before USA's and that whole schedule changed after USA's, like all the... All the B meets that I was in were out the door, and then I they were all substituted in for the Paris Diamond League and the Glasgow Diamond League and um, so yeah, it was I forgot the series. another yeah. It was a yeah. Yes, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. No. Series. Sear- where is that one at again? Series.
1: That is in uh, Switzerland the Weltklasse competition. oh yeah, yeah.
0: Weltklasse that was at yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was freaking awesome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah they all kind of blend together
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so you talked about uh, how competitive the triple jump is and especially in the US uh, you have uh, Christian Taylor, you have Will Clay omar craddock donald scott chris carter and a lot of young guys coming up jumping 1650 plus plus. and how does it feel to know that you can't just make the standard but you have to be on the top three at, at the u.s championships or at the trials if you want to make a team
0: it definitely keeps the situation tense like it keeps everybody on their toes there's nobody nobody i'm sure even even amongst christian and will i doubt they just feel comfortable i think that everybody feels like i got to continue to put this work in because uh uh, there's a bunch of other people that are I, i think that i think that christian and will know the level that they're at but i think that the level that they can see everybody trying to work towards lets them like or keeps them on their toes as well because they know that they can't just have a a 17-20 day, and and that be it. Which I know in, in past years there wasn't going to be three three people, three or four people in that realm to be even jumping, to, to even be pushing them. But it seems like now like uh, there's people that could be pushing the, the two guys that have remained, the two guys that have remained relevant since 2010. And then that there's, there's guys below those guys that are going to continue to push that are going to keep us honest. So it's, it's like an endless circle of competition. Um, it's, I think it's keeping everybody just sharp, like, (laughs) and if you're not staying sharp, then you're, you're getting left behind. So depending on your, your love for the sport and your, your taking for the passion, like if, if you're not really about it, or if you're, if you're not going to put in your 110% effort, um, you're just going to get left behind so i think anybody that's maintained relevant understands that and they deserve to to stay around in the sport so um, yeah. I, I think it's made for a a crazy but good uh community in in the in the, in the US triple jump
1: yeah and it it's almost uh, as hard to make the top three at the u.s. championships as at the world championship or at the olympics yeah you have really to jump like 17 30 to to just get a medal at the u.s. Uh, championship
0: right that's how it's that's how it's been progressing to and it's nuts <laughs> yeah know, like yeah, yeah like it's it's not even it's it's not even cool. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's it, it makes the season tough, but it just kind of, I mean, we don't pick our cards; we just play them.
1: You combined triple and long jump, uh, pretty successful. But since 2016, you haven't done any long jumps. Will we see you jump long jump in the future, or are you done with that?
0: That's a that's a tough one. Long jump, so. Long jump has always been the event that gets me hurt because I, because I don't do it correctly. So I, I'm a very, very powerful jumper, and my my long jump takeoff leg is the same as my triple jump takeoff leg. And um, if I don't properly take off on long jump, then my lower back pays for it. So I definitely I took the time to perfect or try not perfect, but attempt to perfect triple jump and so i've just been fully focusing on my training for triple jump but i i mean it sits on the back of my mind that i know i could be a, at least a decent long jumper so if if the if the opportunity is right if the if, if there's some money involved in it like I, I wouldn't just be out there long jumping to just show off or anything like that then I, I could see myself doing it but i'm definitely not going to try to like build up a training block of long jump to see how far I'll long jump at this point in my career I think that would be a a waste of a waste of talent just because I know I can make more money just focusing on triple jump
1: and was it easy to combine long and triple jump or was it difficult
0: I think it's pretty difficult um it's uh the, the takeoff for triple and long jump they're they're completely different and I know for me, going off the same leg. I mean, it—it's really just like it's a mental decision to uh, for how I for how I'm going to take off right at the moment of takeoff, which uh, can get confusing for uh, an event where you're bringing uh, that kind of speed and trying to make a decision in milliseconds. Like we, I think everybody wants to get as get to a point to where they're so comfortable where they're just doing it all mindlessly. And I think that, um, trying to do two different events, you have to practice a lot of, you'd have to practice both of them a lot to be able to do them both mindlessly to where you could replicate high marks consistently. So, um, I think that part is, is very hard unless you have a, a, a really natural taking to it. And from my experience, <laughs> I don't have an extremely natural taking the long jump My taking the long jump is. Running as fast as I can, and then at the board, trying to jump as high as I can, and, and slamming on the brakes. Pretty much, uh, that's how my that's like how my brain is trained to take off so far in long jump. And I think I could break it uh, if I worked at it. But I think those first few reps is going to be a, a danger zone for me because all I've taught myself is to like dip at the board and, and lean, and I haven't really had much repetition of being seamless off the board. So I think I think that's what makes it really tough to do both, at least for me personally. But I know people are capable. I mean, I, uh, and Will Clay is a very good, uh, very good long jumper and a, and a very good triple jumper, or I'd say great at both. Um, but even in his situation, it, it's it's harder for him to replicate a really good long jump than it is for him to replicate a really good triple jump. I think that just goes into the the struggle of doing both.
1: Yeah, we have. We have a, a couple of guys, but it's pretty rarely to combine those two events on on an elite level.
0: yeah. It's, yeah.
1: We have it's a, tough. Henry Frayne of Australia has yeah. combined a little bit, but not so many people.
0: And he even still, it seems like he he'll, he'll focus on one thing the whole year. It's, he he's not doing even both in in the same year.
1: Yeah, like yeah. He, and it, it's the same with uh, Mokoena from South yeah, Africa.
0: God, he's a legend. I like the uh, guy. <laughs> like he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. In 2016,
1: you finished third at the US Indoors to make the team for the World Indoor Championships in Portland. How did it feel to make uh, the team for the first time?
0: That was, that, that was another uh, bittersweet moment. <laughs> that, was, that indoors is indoors is, has been bittersweet for me for most of my, my track career, but on that one I I had got I think I got third place, but they were only supposed to bring two people, and I, and I and the two people that or they were supposed to bring three people, but the two people that ended up going were just the two people that had the standard from the year before, so that year uh, Chris Carter should have gone to the World Championships Indoors Because he won The whole event But because the Standard uh, Or because the The deadline Was after the USA Championships um, You basically Couldn't get the Standard again after, uh, At USA So he couldn't go And and then on top Of that Because the Deadline was Or USA's was so Late in the season It was a week out From World Championships Which uh, Affected me Again Like I, I felt Really good at USA Championships, but then coming into Worlds, um, it, it, was, it was like I was really low on energy, or it, I was really having a lot of trouble executing it. Um, so, it, it, I think I should have jumped better at World Championships, but I, I, I didn't. So, I kind of had to take that for what it was too. It seemed like another missed opportunity at uh, at least a better performance. Cause I, I didn't jump well at all at, at there. I think I jumped like, I might have jumped. I probably jumped under sixteen forty. Sixteen
1: fifteen, you did. Oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, and the, and the week before, I know I had gone uh sixteen ninety. Just, just, just one week out. So, I right. mean, it told me a lot about, um, like how my body recovers and like, or like how I need to work on being more ready for competitions. No matter, uh, no matter. Uh, when or where it is I just wish I didn't have to learn about that at a world championship and I could have learned it like at a small me but um, you know, still just another learning experience that was my first time even making a world team so uh, it, I I definitely learned a lot from the stimulus of a world championship and seeing how, how everybody moves and I mean usually the people that are most prepared are the ones that uh, end up coming back with the medal so that's what I that's what I learned from that indoors
1: and at the outdoor season you took third place again at uh u.s championships olympic trials but Mm -hmm. it can't be a bittersweet uh situation to make the team usa for for the olympic games
0: no definitely that was that was that was not bittersweet at all (laughs) that was (laughs) that's yeah that was that's probably one of the best things i ever did in my entire life i think uh i uh yeah i i feel like i went into a mode that i that was like all passion almost like i like i was i was out there just trying to really be the best that i could and and that was all that was really going through my mind so the fact that it worked out like nothing bitter about it, not one bitter piece
1: <laughs> and uh well there you uh Jumped 16.55 uh, in the prelims and finished 16th uh, And the last final spot spot to the final went to Lazaro Martinez who jumped only six centimeters further Was it hard to not make the final or were you just happy to be at your first Olympics?
0: It was it was hard because I mean I I If I would have if I would have jumped like six over sixteen seventy and not made the final, then it it would make more sense. Like it would have made more sense to me. But like in the moment, like trying so, or knowing that I wanted to jump so far, and feeling like I could jump a lot further, but only being able to get that mark out there, it it was like man, like you were so close. You just had you just kind of had to do it. Like you just you just you just needed to execute better, but you didn't. And so that was. I, I took the I mean I took the blame for for the result which I should I mean uh it was it was mine to to seize or to drop and um so but I, I it was another learning experience I, I think that um through seeing how I because even in the prelims at USA trials or I mean uh, yeah at Olympic trials um I jumped bad and then I d- went around and did the same thing at Olympic trials uh or at, at the Olympics in the prelims, and I was still having trouble executing. So it uh, it let me know like this is a this is something I need to work on is uh, being able to execute in all situations and not just when I'm feeling good or because prelims, a lot of people will tell you is, is very very tough because there's uh, it's it's almost like you have to juggle or balance how much energy you want to exert while trying to exert enough to make the actual uh, final. So if you if you give too much, then you might be flat for the final. And if you don't give enough, you might end up in the situation that I was in and not making it. So, I mean, it was most, most I could take from my actual competition at the Olympics was learn from uh, your mistakes in the prelims. Other than how the competition actually went, it was an amazing time (laughs) yeah
1: yeah.
0: it was yeah it was great it was i mean it was it was the olympics other than other than the competition (laughs)
1: yeah um and uh, you learned a lot because in 2017 at the world championships in london you won the qualification and qualified for the final uh, with a jump of uh, 1720 um the final then was very tight you uh, finished sixth uh, with a jump of 17.16, the same distance as christian napoles who took fourth and alexis copeo who took fifth and only three centimeters short of nelson nevera who took bronze Man. what were your thoughts after that competition
0: that one was so that one was tough i mean i was happy that I ended up getting a mark over 17 at the competition, and to do it on my on my last jump, that was really cool. But like it, that one I just felt like like luck wasn't on my side, or like like fate was just like it just for some reason wasn't meant to wasn't meant for me for for whatever reason. And I mean, uh, in the prelim, I, I I definitely do think that I learned from my last year's mistakes at the olympics but now thinking back i wish i would have even given less because as easy as it felt in the prelims it didn't feel that way in the final and i don't know if it was because energy exerted in the prelim or just whatever pressure that i put on myself in the final also weighing in on me but i think that like um i would like to be put myself in a position to where i didn't feel like i needed to get my best jump out on my sixth jump at a final like it that that's what i really had to take away from that because uh i mean if i was capable of doing it on the first jump two days before why wasn't i capable of doing it on the first jump in the final and i think had i done it on the first jump in the final i would have guaranteed me a, a a bronze medal like I, that that my prelims jump was one centimeter further than the bronze medal performance so um i mean there's a lot to take away from it. But I, I think at the end of the day, I, I I, took it as me having a good performance. That was the best I ever performed at a championship. That was my highest place finish at a championship. And that was the furthest I had ever jumped overseas, beyond uh, um, period. Like, uh, that 1720, I had never even jumped over 17 meters in Europe. So to do it at a at a world championship was like, I mean, I couldn't take that for granted, so i mean it it was like i had a bunch of positives to take away but the the only thing that balanced it out to be just more neutral was the fact that i was four centimeters off of metal and no centimeters off of fourth place i was the ex- exact same mark so all that seemed like <laughs> like just life bullshit like something that you kind of have to take as what it is but uh all the positives of it definitely uh balanced out the fact that i was that close
1: 2018 then was an off year with no major championships but you still placed second at the u.s championships and fifth in the diamond league final um now going into 2019 we have a world championship coming up what are your goals uh, in
0: 2019 Uh, really just to keep trying to improve uh every year uh when i come back into the like our conditioning I try to just uh, think about what what I did wrong the year before and like the things that I think I could fix to to make myself better for the current year and um, that's 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 been working for me um, for the, in all these past years and that as at least as being my focus is being or on, let me start over focusing on just getting better has been my focus for all these past years and not necessarily, and I haven't really focused on like a mark specifically or a certain finish at a, at any championship or, or, or a medal. It's always just been about how can I continue to make myself better? And I think that, uh, coming into this year, I know how I can continue to be better. My, my product isn't, isn't a hundred percent yet. And that's all, that's, that's my goal is to get my product to 200%. So, um, I mean, that's really what I want to do, and I think that if I am able to get as close to that as possible, then I'll be able to make this uh, this world championship team and and place well at uh, at Diamond Leagues and place well at USA's. So I think that uh, it should all come off all, uh, all in one if I'm able to execute the things that I need to execute consistently in my in my triple jump. So that's that's really my goal is to to get this triple jump down
1: and uh, in 2020 then it's time for the olympic games in tokyo and i guess you want to to go there and be standing on the podium there Mm -hmm. what distance do you think you have to jump in order to bring home a a medal in tokyo
0: that's that's tough every year is different and i mean depending on depending on who steps up for the Olympic year, because there's, I mean, everybody trains out of their mind for, for the year of the Olympics. So I'm sure that there'll be some people that put up some big marks that, that we hadn't seen in a long time and people we never seen before. Um, but I, I, I think, I think it's going to take a jump over 1750, just like at the uh, last Olympics. Cause that, that, that's what the yeah. third place was like 1753. And, and then well, and at the last, last Olympics, I feel like only two or three people had jumped over 1750 that entire year. So the fact that it took that to get a medal just lets you know how competitive people get on Olympic years. So I definitely wouldn't expect a, a mark under 1750 to get a medal at the next Olympics.
1: You never know until uh, until the, the day of the final also, because sure. it was like... In 2015, when both Taylor and Pichardo jumped over 18 meters in, at the first time in the league in Doha, everyone was like, oh, m- this guy's going to jump 850 plus or something. But, right, yeah, it was but that. Uh, that ended up being yeah. pretty much, well, uh, Pichardo yeah, improved 2 centimeters and, and Taylor improved to 1821, but they didn't jump so much further <laughs> at all
0: right. And it, it's yeah, it's hard to it's hard to predict our event like, and it, people's training you never know how how ready they are when they jump their jump and how ready that they're going to remain like it's and there's so much that goes into it like some people they just deteriorate faster some people don't deteriorate at all we can watch Pedro Picardo jump over seventeen eighty for an entire season. Where there's a lot of people, if they jump 17.71, just gonna take them three weeks to get back to, to get back to right because the pounding that they did on their body, like it's there's so many variables in a in in, in track, it's it makes it impossible to predict. Because yeah. it's, it's, but yeah, because I mean, thinking back to that 2015 season, yeah, who who didn't think that that world record was going down by by, if not one another two people and for two people to be capable of a world record of that magnitude just lets you know how competitive this event is and how tough it is
1: let's talk some training then uh, you train with jeremy fisher uh, mm-hmm. at the olympic training center in Chula vista uh, how is it to train with coach fisher
0: it's great he's uh I, I he's definitely responsible for a lot a lot of my success. He's uh he I like to think of him as like the filtration system. Like he he's so smart and he he does all the research and then he and then he gives it to us in a way that we can understand and and then he he builds up programs that are that are if you're not if you if you don't have a good enough understanding for what he's trying to do then it'll you'll feel like you're not doing enough or you're not doing the right stuff, but it's all for a big picture reason. And and that's always been what I've appreciated about uh, Fisher. because that's, that's how my mind works. It's I, I'm willing to put in the early work to be ready for the, the later result. And I don't feel too pressed about what's going on around me that I see other people doing. That's uh, that seems like it's getting them ready for the moment. Um, I don't get caught up in that because I know that what we're, what I'm doing with Fisher is, is for a big picture reason, so I can compete at uh, at a high level when I need to, not when I want to. Because as a jumper and as a as a as an elite athlete, I always want to be as ready as I can. But uh, what I learned from working with Fisher is, I don't just because I want to be ready in February. I don't. I definitely don't need to be ready in February. And being ready in February doesn't really do me any good. So just like I mean just the wisdom that I've gotten through him and and just all the stuff that I've learned it's it's been amazing I have a lot to thank him for.
1: Who is your training partners there? Who is in in the group? Uh
0: right now we our group is pretty big right now. Um of course we have Brittany Reese and uh and Will Clay, the two big guns and then we also have uh Cory Crawford, he's a long jumper and Kylie Price She's also a long jumper. Um Danielle Kirchak, Asha Marler. It's, uh, it's, there's a, there's like the Brittany Reese's and the Will Clay's. And then there's the, the rest of us uh, are pretty much on like a developmental uh progression. That's trying to get us to, or trying to get us and them to a level to where they can be competing on the world stage. So that's what the, that's what like the rest of our group kind of consists of. But yeah, the, and then we also have a uh, an Indian guy triple jumping with us right now, Arpinder Singh. Yeah, that's yeah. who I've been training with them directly, as of as of lately.
1: Yeah, I saw that on on Instagram lately.
0: Yeah, and then yeah, and then we have some high jumpers, Ricky Ricky Robertson, Brian McBride, some more uh, long jumpers, Maddie Richards. I don't think I'm missing anybody. I don't. I hope anybody that's list that decides to listen, I don't want to leave them out <laughs> from our from the group. Yeah, Lex Lat, Paralympic, yeah, yeah, ICIC. yeah.
1: Blind long jumper. Yeah,
0: legendary.
1: Yeah, he's cool. How does a training week look like for you in, in your like general preparation period?
0: Right now, it's it's all conditioning, so it's everything is meant to kill us, is what it seems like. I like, uh, we, we've been doing like repeat 200s for a workout in stadiums and nothing really jump specific. Like, our technique stuff has been all very, like... Like, very light and specific. Like, it'll be one aspect of a phase of, like, our first phase and it'll just be, like, a a walking drill that's, that's working on that. So, nothing is... Nothing is very specific towards like like we're not doing any run-throughs or nothing nothing is specific to the broad aspect of the triple jump everything is very like minimal in terms of technique but our conditioning is like heavy and it's made to make us really tired and to and to fatigue our big muscles so that our our base is nice and built for the 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 length of the, the season to come
1: and um what uh, what exercises and what drills is your favorite?
0: Mm, right now, um, I like when we get into our box stuff. It's like we'll do like a, like a standing box drill or standing box jumps where we're jumping from one box doing a first phase and then off the ground into another first phase off a box into a second phase. And I just like that stuff because I feel like it it's like a slow moving high impact drill that's allowing me to get good separation from my hips through all my phases which is hard to do once I get up to speed but I, so I like to be able to progress into um, more speed um, later in the season but the fact that we start off with like light minimal box jumps that that really you can get some extension on I, re- I really like that stuff because I can get a good in there. yeah Feeling of what my phases need to feel like when I'm at full speed. Actually doing it at full speed is a whole different story. That's that's another thing I still got to work on.
1: And um, right now, how many times per week do you train?
0: Um, we go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like a like a regenerative day. Like um, we do like yoga type exercises and and prehab stuff. And um, then Thursday's another conditioning day and fridays plyometric type conditioning day and saturdays are are supposed to be like light um like maybe stretch maybe hit a bike and sundays off um so i'm pretty much training five days a week and like with like a, a light day somewhere in between there
1: and then to finish it all off we have some questions from our instagram followers
0: nice that's what's up
1: yeah First of all, uh the Cuban triple jump talent Jordan Diaz, he's asking how how are you Chris?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that's what I'm doing good. I like that kid. He's a uh, he's got good energy about him. I'm glad he, I'm glad he asked me how I'm doing. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him I'm doing well. <laughs> I hope he's doing well too. I told I saw his, I saw his marks at triple jump in uh in Paris. I know he's going to be progressing from there
1: and uh, then there is a lot of people who wants to know if you have any tips on how to improve the second phase of the triple jump
0: yeah that one that one's tough and I, and I, what i think what i think messes up a lot of young talent is they wait for the ground and if you're once you once you take off cuz your first your first phase isn't even really a jump it's it's literally running and maintaining all your speed off the board like that's the whole reason why you do anywhere from 14 to 20 steps but within that first 20 steps or 14 you build up all this speed you run off the board which a lot of people they set up off the board so they lose their speed but whatever you do at the board you bring that speed and then you go into your first phase and people they'll stick their foot out and basically wait for the ground to come to them and then try to jump off the ground, which you're not going to have any return on investment if you wait for the ground. People need to, I think if they work on, basically, like, if they can do a lot of bounding and during that bounding work on attacking the ground, so it's like making sure they're actively coming off the ground rather than waiting for the ground, I think that it'll produce more... Explosiveness through their phases, and they'll they'll feel that lift that they're looking for in their in their second phase, rather than just feeling like they're touching the ground and trying to just like step off of it. They need that uh that impact reaction for them to be able to maintain the speed that they created in their in their run up. But you won't get that if you're waiting for the ground.
1: And then the last uh, question, Bretra and Lini wants to know which your favorite college or high school meet was
0: my favorite high school meet definitely was was mount sack and and that's that's just a big meet in california and um they're, they're actually getting their track redone so they haven't been able to do it at mount sack over the last few years um but that was my favorite high school meet and even through college that was my favorite meet to go to that i always pr'd at Mount SAC, it's only like forty-five minutes or twenty. It's like really thirty minutes from my hometown, so it's like a home meet for me. So I'm kind of biased, but um, <laughs> other than Mount SAC, uh, definitely uh, going to any meet at um, at Hayward Field in Eugene. They have the best crowd. Like they, especially they have the best crowd in the United States. And so every time I got to go to a meet there, I always felt like I like I was being watched by a crowd. And it didn't seem like I was just being watched by like a puddle of people in the stands that might actually like the triple jump. So yeah. I, I always love going to Hayward Field.
1: Yeah, and they're building a new stadium there also. Right yeah, now. It's
0: gonna yeah, it's going to be yeah. nuts. I know it's going to be
1: nuts. You're looking forward to compete at the 2021 champion, World Championships there?
0: Yeah, that should be ridiculous like even just thinking about that kinda gives me the chills. Like <laughs> yeah. er- that that's such a huge opportunity just to be able to go to a world championship in the home country. I mean that hasn't happened once. Well it happened in Portland indoors, but other than that, um there hasn't even everything has been outside the US. So that that'd be really cool to get one in the US.
1: And um last question, who do you want to see as a guest in the Triple Jumpers podcast?
0: ooh, you know who my uh I think that my boy Chris Carter has been talking a lot of really good knowledge in terms of like what's wrong with track and field and i mean uh i'm, I'm I've been close with chris uh since probably like two thousand and twelve at least, and uh he's always just had a really strong genuine passion for triple jumping and track and field uh in itself, so definitely my boy chris carter uh i think would be a good. A good guest on the show. I think that he'd have some really strong opinions on things that are that are valid and that makes sense. And yeah, I, I think that's a good guy right there.
1: Yeah. I will see if I if he wants to join the show then.
0: Yeah, I'll mention it to him. Too. I'll send him a message saying that I uh saying that I suggested him.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, uh, the other people I've uh, interviewed, everybody says Christian Taylor. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> and because I think he's he's so like he's so low key, I, I it would be nice to kind of hear him under, under, under an interview type circumstance like this under a podcast because you you really get a chance to to speak your ideals and and uh, and say what's on your mind under the under these type of circumstances. So I know a lot of people would like to get into their brain, a Christian Taylor.
1: Okay, that's it. Um, I think this is will be a very interesting episode. Thank you so much for taking taking part, and good luck in the future.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all the patience. I know, I know, I was giving you the runaround for a little bit, but we finally got it. We finally got it done, so I'm happy to.
1: Thank you. Wow, this episode was absolutely amazing. Chris had so many good things to say, and it was very interesting to hear his thoughts about the triple jump. I will definitely go back and re-listen to this episode a lot in the future. And if you want to know more about Chris, his Instagram name is flylikechrisb with two Y. If you want to suggest a guest or have any questions, send an email to triplejumpers18 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. We're soon back with a new episode. Until then, have a good time. Bye.
0: Tremendous speed once again. Is, oh my goodness, that is huge. It's a white flag for the Cuban. pour la postérité.